John 14 is where we're going to pick up and continue. John chapter 14, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, we will pick up. And in doing that, I want to remind you of what we have gotten into, what is new, uh, and this new series that we are diving headfirst into. It's called Real Peace. You've heard us do this real thing before, real church, uh, real love, you know, real faith, real peace. What are we saying when we say real peace? We're implying that there's a fake type of peace. And that's why our theme verse for this series that's going to take us uh, even probably past Easter is John 14, verse 27. John 14, 27, I'll read it to you. Jesus says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Jesus telling his disciples, as we read the word, stretching and telling us, I'm not here on planet earth currently, but I've left you with my peace, implying that there is a wrong type of peace, but my peace is better and I'm giving it to you. And we saw last week at the beginning of John 14, he is already starting to give the peace that comes from his promises to his disciples. Let me recap a little bit. John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He reveals to them that one of them is going to betray him. He also reveals that he is leaving them and they will not be able to follow. Sorrow has filled their heart. Peter steps up and says, I'm gonna lay my life down for you. Jesus reveals in front of all of them, Peter, you're going to deny me. And sorrow has filled their heart. They're, They're troubled. This brings us to John 14, where Jesus begins to, give the peace of his promises to his disciples, spending that time trying to encourage their hearts. John, who wrote this gospel, giving it to the churches, it's the the words of Jesus that, that John was inspired to write to give us that peace and that comfort and also to give us the knowledge so we know that Jesus is the one we should be following. A big thing we're gonna see, big theme we're gonna see is that Jesus is God. That's all through the gospel of John and we're gonna see that today as well. So John 14, read with me starting in verse one again as we work our way to the part two today of the peace for troubled hearts. And we pick up and we do the whole to be continued thing we pick up today with the next episode. Verse one, Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. That's where we left off. We stopped there. Read the next few verses with me. Starting in verse five, someone interrupts Jesus' words. Thomas says, to him. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We're picking up. Jesus has left like we saw last week encouragement and peace that he's given to his disciples to let them know, I'm not abandoning you. I know sorrow has filled your heart, but you have no reason to be troubled because what you're troubled about that I'm going to leave you 
forsake you, give up on you, that you're going to be left alone and there's not going to be any hope for you is not true. That's what's filling your heart. So he encourages them with what? He encourages them with the truth that, hey, you can trust me. Peter, I can't trust your words. You said you won't deny me, but you will. But you can trust my words. Believe in God, believe also in me because I am God. I go away for a purpose to prepare a place for you. And then he, he says, is not my word good enough? If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place? Isn't my word good? You can trust me. And he says, if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's a very important one. That where I am, you may be also. And then he says, and you know the way to where I am going. You see the kindness of our savior, his love and his compassion for his disciples that are struggling and troubled with the experience of life, very particularly the experience in life that makes us feel like God has abandoned us. God doesn't want us to feel that way. And so he gave us some comfort last week for for that. The interesting verse is right here, right at the end where we ended in verse four. Look at that with me in verse four. Jesus says this, and you know the way to where I am going. Here's what we're going to see today. We're going to see that real peace comes from knowing the way. Real peace, not fake peace, real peace comes from knowing the way. Verse four again, look at the tone of what Jesus is saying. He just said, I'm going away in my father's house are many rooms, but I'll come again and receive you to myself. And then he, incur- he, he implies that it's almost like he knows I'm encouraging your hearts because you know the way and you know the way to where I am going. But it doesn't end there because Thomas speaks up and I think he speaks up on behalf of the disciples and he basically says, yeah, yeah, Jesus, we're, we, we don't know what you're talking about. Look what Thomas says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? How can we know the way? Very interesting thing. Jesus doesn't say, you know where I'm going. Jesus says, you know the way to where I am going. Thomas replies, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the destination. So how can we know the way? Thomas is thinking in terms of coordinates, right? He's on a very, very plain, practical, rational level. And if you know anything about Thomas, when he opens his mouth, he seems to be, he seems to be very logical and he seems to be very matter of fact works in the tangible, in the mathematical, right? He was the one that like refused to believe that Jesus had resurrected unless he could see for himself and and touch Jesus and and analyze it and scientific method it. And then Jesus shows up and and Thomas just falls and says, Lord and my God. Thomas is speaking up and he's revealing, he's, he's really thinking in terms of literal as Jesus is speaking. I imagine Thomas just, Jesus saying, my father's house are many rooms. And for when I saw, I go to prepare and I will come again and receive your message. And Thomas is just like, I, what? What is it? Where? Okay. And, and, and disciples, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas is like, no, how can I know the way? I don't even know where you're going. So he speaks up. Maybe the other disciples are thinking this. But this is what Thomas is saying in terms of like a map. It'd be like me saying, hey guys, I'm leaving after church and, I, and I'm going to that place you know the place. Anyway, you know how to get there. If I just said that, you'd be like, what? Where are you going? Okay, say that again. No, 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 no. You know, the place. You know the way. Meet me there. 
You don't know if you're going north, south, southeast, west, east, right? If you're, if you're speaking like that, like I have no idea how to get there because I don't even know where you're going. If you're going to Maine and I think you're going to California, I'm going the exact opposite way. This is where Thomas's mind is right now. Where are you going? Tell me where you're going and then I will tell you and if I know the way or not. This is where the disciples are. But this is purposeful. Jesus is having this interchange with his disciples because he wants us to be able, who are also rational, logical, limited in our thinking, not quick to grasp the, the, uh, the deeper allegorical things of scripture. And we need to ruminate and think about things. And so this is recorded purposefully so we could have it and, and, and experience the same wrestling. So is, is Jesus talking about a destination as far as coordinates and a way as far as a road that we must travel? It's a great question because his answer then reveals exactly what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says this. He said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he says this. No one comes to the father except through me. Jesus' answer was one that that is taking our minds to the deeper realities, the deeper realities of what mankind and every person on the planet must believe and must turn to in order to be saved, in order to be in heaven. Now, there's a a lot here, so I want to think about one thing at a time. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to explain, give, give a little bit more explanation of the passage, and then we're going to bring it home, kind of like we did last week, and we're going to apply a few things to our life. Jesus said earlier in chap, last week, he said, in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. Did Jesus not just reveal his destination, where he's going? Based off those words, where would you say the actual destination is that Jesus is going? In my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. Where where do you think he's talking about? I've heard it twice. Heaven. Who's in heaven? The The father specifically. Right? And so you have Jesus talking about going to the Father and where the Father is. And Jesus is preparing a place there. Very significant. Because all through the scripture, we see this story of the presence of God being taken away from man. More specifically, man being pushed away from the presence of God. All the way back in the Garden of Eden when man was pushed out of the garden and the angel was put there to guard the way so no one could come into the presence of God freely. Needed the tree of life that man had been barred from the presence of God. Now you tell me, what does mankind experience in the presence of God versus not in the presence of God? Is it just, hey, we're just there in the same room and it's you know, no different than life? Read through scripture, what's the picture you get? We have a clear understanding that, man, the Garden of Eden looked like a wonderful place to be. Right? No death, and, you know, chilling with animals, riding giraffes, you know, wrestling with lions, no problem. 
Jesus walking with us constantly, right? It was probably the, the best, most wonderful, exciting, never sad experience ever. We can see that clearly. Man's pushed out. And then what do we see through scripture for the rest of it? Nothing but pain, death, sorrow, suffering, war, calamity, over and over and over and over again. And we have this theme that reverberates through scripture that's reaching to our ears, this theme in scripture where God is allowing man to see what life is like when we do it our own way. Go to the book of Judges. It's a time where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What was the actual experience of everyone doing what was right in their own eyes? Death, destruction, slavery, calamity, pain, suffering. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 14, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to death. A very clear picture in Scripture that to be away from the presence of God, to be barred from his presence, to be isolated and separated from him is a horrible thing. And to be able to come into the presence of God is a terrifying thing because all of scripture, starting with Moses, when God instituted the building of the temple, very specific with rooms so that the closer you got into where the presence of the Lord was in the Holy of Holies, only one person could go in there and they would die if they went in there unworthily. And there was this veil that was put in front of the people with the angels on these veils to remind the people, you cannot come in here. Because of our sin, we cannot enter into the presence of God. We have been separated. This clear picture that God is trying to paint for us so we would know that being with him is amazing. Not being with him is horrible. How do we get back to him? So when Jesus says, I am, first of all, it's the seventh time he said that in the book of John, which is the same statement that God said to Moses, I am. Jesus declaring he's God. I am, and then he says, the way, the truth, and the life. We just talked about it a little bit. The way to God had been barred. No one could come to God, except through the sacrifices. Every year, one person would go in, the high priest, and he would offer a lamb on behalf of the people because of the sins that were building up, and that sacrifice would stay God's wrath, but then his wrath would be building for the next year and they'd have to sacrifice again, sacrifice again. Still the way separated from him. This is why it's so significant that when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? Why is it significant? There is a detail of this earthquake and the temple was split in two and then the veil was split in two. What's the symbolism of that? That's not just an interesting account. There's a symbolic meaning of that, that hey, it finally had been opened. That when Jesus hung there for like six hours on an excruciating death and he breathed his last and he said, it is finished. What had been finished? Him preparing the way for us to be able to be with him once and for all, again, for all of eternity, through Jesus alone, tore the veil in two. Which is why it is so amazingly wonderful in the book of Hebrews when it says that we can come boldly to the throne of God to find help in our time of need. You don't come boldly to God before Jesus, but he has completely 100% opened the way, the way back to God. 
He says, I am the truth. Pilate asked, what is truth? What is the one thing on planet earth now that though there may be different cultures, different technology, things have gone from primitive to more technological. What is the one thing that's still true about the heart of man is it's a constant conviction and arguing and passionate attempts to try to figure out what truth is where we've come from, who we are, the right way to do this, or you should follow this, or you should vote this way, or you should this, 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 or this. Everyone has their conviction about what other people should be doing and what is true and what is not true, right? We're constantly arguing over that. And Jesus reveals and says, no, I am the truth. You want to know about God, you want to know about your life, you want to know about existence itself. Everything that you want to know about, which is actually true, is wrapped up in me. Outside of me, you will not find truth. Outside of me, you will not find your way to God. And he says, I am the life. People trying to, all of us trying to figure out what way is right in life, what truth we should be following. And every single one of us is fighting for life, are we not? Even though we know we're going to die, we still will clamor and eke every bit of inch and minute of our beating heart on planet Earth, trying to avoid this one thing that has infected us all and has spread to all men because of sin, death. Every single one of us understanding and knowing that life is beautiful and wonderful and we desire it and we want more of it. So much so that even our Movies and our poetry and our stories are all revolved around helping and saving life and expanding life. We understand that we need a savior. Heroes are all over our literature. Jesus says, I am the life. Those who believe in him, he says, and I give them eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in whatever way you want to go. Nope. Is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The only road that will lead to life for any of us is through Jesus Christ alone. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. The one thing that everyone is clamoring for, but can only be found in him. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven. No one gets to be where I am, where God is, except through me, the name and the only son of God, Jesus Christ. Very, very, very exclusive. Go out into the world today and preach this verse. What, what type of gnashing of teeth will you experience from people? How dare you imply that there's only one road to happiness, only one road to God? But yet, this is what Jesus is saying. I mean, we understand this on the rational, mathematical, logical plane, don't we? Hey, you know what? You want to get to Maine? You want to get to Maine? You got to go west, southwest. Actually, you need to go below the equator. And when you hit a large block of ice, you're in Maine. It's a beautiful place. A lobster's great there, I hear. We know that that's stupid. You don't get to a certain destination through any direction you want to. You get to 
every destination by certain roads that specifically lead there. And when it comes to the roadmap to God, the only way to heaven, to God, is Jesus Christ. No other religion, no other religion will get there. It is a lie that all roads lead to God. It is a lie that your truth is truer for you and your sincerity of following your religion is what's gonna lead you to God. God just wants to see you live like him, you know? Notice here it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say the way to God is by doing good works and following this. He's saying, I am. The way to God is wrapped up in a person. I am the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says this in verse seven. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. This is kind of a chide, a small rebuke. And you're gonna find out next week really what's going on. Jesus is a little frustrated that he's walked with them for like 24 seven for three years. And they're still asking these questions Almost like I've made it very clear, especially to you, that if, if, if you know me, you know the Father. I've been talking to you in a very specific way that to know me is to know God. I think about Jesus putting up with some of this frustration. Imagine your relationship with your father. If you didn't have a father, this will be hard for you, earthly father. Or maybe if you had a father and you didn't have a good relationship, understand it'll be hard. But imagine you have your earthly father, you know them, you know him, you have a great relationship and like the back of your hand, like you just, there's this wonderful, affectionate relationship there. And then someone from some place who happens to like have a, a, a mutual friend on Facebook with your father tries to come to you and tell you about your father, though they've never met him. They do not know him. And they try to point the finger at you and say that you have nothing to do with him. How frustrating that would be. And that's what Jesus put up with, with those who were the so-called uh, children of God, the, the children of Abraham who tried to tell Jesus how it was. And Jesus is like, I came from him. I, I came from him into the earth. I've been with him from the beginning and you want to tell me about the father? No, I've come to tell you about the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father and you're, you're going to look at me and say I'm of Satan doing the, the, the kingdom work of Satan. And Jesus says, no, you are of your father, the devil, right? Because they rejected him. To reject Jesus is to reject the father, which means to bar yourself from the presence of with God, which is wrapped up in life itself. A relationship and an intimate knowing of Jesus Christ is what will open the gates to you for eternal life. This is the good news in the message that we are going to scream constantly. And you may be thinking now, well, this is a, this is a message for the unbeliever. He's telling this to his closest disciples. This is something we need to remember every single day because the way isn't just open like, you know, 20 years ago when we said a prayer. The way is constantly open and the way and the truth and the life we live by is wrapped up in a person and that person is Jesus Christ. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna bring this home for us. I want us to now make it this a little bit more personal. You know, kind of got this idea of directions and a roadmap. I want us to do a, 
a roadmap check. We all have a map that we're looking at and that we're following. We all have a destination in life we're trying to get to, but let's, let's all take out our roadmap and check it to see to make sure we are on the right road to life. Because as it stands, our life is going to end at a time we do not know and what we do now and what we follow now, what we believe now is of utmost importance in making sure that our destination is God, is heaven. All right, so we're going to get a little personal. Is this okay? Time to put on our caps. We're, we're, we're going internal, be introspective, start thinking about our own life right now. Real peace comes from knowing the way. Implication, do you know the way? Roadmap check, are you on the right way? First thing I want us to do is this. Look ahead in your own life. What's your destination? Jesus says, you know the way. He said to the disciples, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas immediately says, how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? What's the destination? Your life. What is your destination of life? And look ahead on the road. Really look at and see your trajectory. Where are you headed? What's your destination? And I don't mean like, you know, uh, uh, a restaurant you're going to go to after the service. I mean, like in your soul, the things that you desire and the place you most want to be. I can ask it this way. You want to figure out what your destination is. What do you believe will bring you the most joy, peace, pleasure, and happiness in life? What is the thing that you're like, man, if I could just have this, everything would be good and great and wonderful. The one thing you will spend your energy and effort clamoring over. The the one thing that you believe is wrapped up in the most joy, pleasure, peace. I don't mean this. I don't mean what is the right answer to that question. Here's where we get deceived sometimes. Don't tell me what the right answer is. I want you to search your own heart, look ahead and say, what is my destination? Meaning what do I believe is going to bring me the most peace, joy, happiness, and pleasure? Now I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm 16 is an interesting verse because it's David being sure that God would not abandon him. Very, very relevant. Drop down to verse 11. Look what David says. And as David is saying this, you ask yourself this, I genuinely believe this is absolutely true. David says, you make known to me the path of life, the way You make known to me. Who does? God does. You make known to me the path of life. And he says this, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you believe that? You see what's interesting about Jesus comforting the disciples with the fact that it's like, you know what? Where I am, you may be also. That implies that they actually want to be where he is. That, that shows that, that they actually believe that to be with him is better than be away from him. To be with him is better than having anything on planet earth. That, that the path of life is made right, made known by God. 
And in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures for every morning. Isn't that what motivates every person on the planet is what they think will give them joy and pleasure? James says we fight and quarrel. Why? Because of our desires for things that rule within us. We want things so badly because we're so missing joy and pleasure and purpose because we've been separated from God. And we're trying to find that in anything we can, but for those who are deceived and do not know or believe that all of that is found in Jesus Christ and in his presence, they will spend all of their energy on wasted lies, things that will not bring pleasure and joy. And if all of us were honest and we could talk about the moments of our life where we have chased the things that our hearts want, they never lead to true joy and lasting satisfaction and pleasure. I mean, Netflix reveals that. Why can't you just have one show and like just watch that for the rest of your life? You watched it and you're done. You're already bored. It doesn't have, you got to move on to the next thing. Next thing, you know, we got to get our fix, right? All of these experiences in life, you know, clamoring to try to like, like a ping pong ball, keep our joy pushed up in the air. You know, we got to hit it harder every time, you know, and then it comes down with more force and we got to hit it really hard just to keep it up, right? And all of these efforts to try to keep our hearts joyful and feeling some type of satisfaction and pleasure. And all the while, all we're doing is getting used to it and becoming more and more bored and miserable. Look ahead in your life. What's your destination? Your destination is wrapped up in what you believe is going to bring you the most joy and pleasure and peace. If you genuinely believe Psalm 1611, you've got the right destination marked on your map. The real peace destination is to be with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, you're going to go to heaven. It was even deeper than that. The implication was that the disciples were excited to be with him. Not that they were excited about having this like huge mansion in heaven and I'll get this great, wonderful place. No, to be with him. That where I am, you may be also. Is that your destination? Does that mean more to you than anything else? Could you lose everything else, but you know you still have him, still have peace and joy in your life? All right, we've looked ahead. We've marked the destination. Now I want you to look down. Not necessarily literally, but look down and let's look at our feet and see the road that we're standing on. Look down, what, what road are you on? And maybe, maybe we know the right answer. Maybe we know the destination should be God, but maybe we're on a road that doesn't necessarily lead to him. Maybe our experience in life and the road we're actually taking is not the way, the truth, and the life. What, what do you believe you must do to get that joy, peace, pleasure, and happiness? So whatever you think is going to make you the most happy and whatever you believe you must do to get that, you can look down and see your efforts toward that. Right? Some people believe that the path to God is wrapped up in their good works, right? As long as my good works outweigh my bad works, God will accept me. Actually, all of man's religion are wrapped up in, you better do good. You better follow these rituals. You, you better be uh, uh, um, 
committed to these ceremonies and all types of other things. You, you, you better run with this crowd of people, right? Let, let's bring it to, to our way. We may not struggle with looking at the clouds and cutting ourselves and hoping these clouds will bring us rain, but we do know what it's like to be pressured into following certain ways in life because the masses are doing it. Because we know people will look at us if we like, don't follow this way. What is it, what is it that tempts you and pulls you away from putting 100% trust in the person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and to being brought into the presence of the Father? What do you believe you must do to get that joy? Jesus says that the real peace road is through him alone, right? The destination is with him. The road is through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Still, this is purposeful. He's trying to get our hearts away from from our efforts and, and from what we must do. And he's trying to get our eyes fixed on him saying, and he's saying, I'm doing it. I'm making the way. So that when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead and he commissioned his disciples to go out into the ends of the world and to preach the good news, what is this good news he's bringing? That the way to God has been open and is completely 100% free. And all God is asking for mankind to do is to stop going their way, which means repent. Stop saying you can find life on your own and look at my son Jesus and trust him. Believe in him. That is enough to be carried into the presence of God. No, 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 no. All of those trophies and those things of the past you put to the side, you throw away like my servant Paul did who was like the best Pharisee ever and all of his accomplishments, he says, I count them as dung compared to what we're gonna see next, the value of knowing, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Look down, what road are you on, right? What are your efforts? Your efforts and your road will show you what you believe you, you, believe you must do in order to get that thing that's, the, that's gonna bring the happiness for you. And I'll tell you this, if the destination isn't to be with Jesus and the road isn't through Jesus, it's a dead end. Now, I'm gonna ask you to turn again to a scripture. We're, we're getting close to the end here. Ephesians 2, turn with me. Over just a few, a few books, Acts and Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians, chapter two. Verse four, Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Who's doing the work here? This is all about what God has done. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace is simply God's gift to you, his doing, giving you what you do not deserve. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him 
right? That where I am, you may be also. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, which means it's coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. It's going to be revealed to you. So in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's saying, wait, it's going to be proven to you that at the right hand of the father are pleasures forevermore. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. His immeasurable riches are going to be revealed to you. Deny the immeasurable riches on planet earth that you think will lead to that type of joy. Deny it. Money is not it. That job is not it. Having everything that you want is deceptive and is not it. If your greatest desire isn't Christ, fall on your knees and ask God to give you that desire. Because the immeasurable riches of God's grace toward those who believe in Christ Jesus are going to be shown. And you're going to look back at the things that got your attention around the corner and disgust. John 14, let's finish up here. Third thing. You've looked ahead. It's the destination. You've looked down. What road are you on? Now look around. Look around your life. Is Jesus a part of it? Is there an actual relationship with Jesus in your life? Is he a part of your life? Do you know Jesus or simply know about Jesus? Verse seven, Jesus says this. If you would have known me, you'd know my father. If you'd known me, you'd know my father. If you, if you know me, Thomas, you wouldn't be asking the question, where are you going? Or how do we get there? If you know me, you're already there. The person I am, you know Jesus. And not a, when the Bible talks about this word, know, it's the same word that, that it's used for Adam knowing his wife. It's a very intimate, affectionate knowledge, one that's personal. So it's not just knowledge about him. It's do you know Jesus Christ and does he know you because you have a relationship with him? But then he comforts the disciples, does he not? He says, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. You see, they're just struggling with a little bit of uh, understanding in what Jesus is saying, but Jesus already knows their heart. Even when they don't know it, Jesus already knows that they are his because they know him and have walked with him and believe that he is the Christ, the only son of God. And they've already been given this eternal life. He's just trying to help take them through class, which means you cannot fully understand the deep things of God and still be his because you believe the right thing about Jesus. You could know all the right answers have everything nailed down and do everything right according to worldly standards when it comes to church and Christianity and still not know Christ because there's no knowing him in an intimate, affectionate way. You only know about him. The real peace experience in life is knowing Jesus. I want to read you a couple of verses. You don't have to turn. I just, want you, I just want to read them real quick and I want you to think about it. Philippians chapter three, verse eight. Paul says this. Indeed, I count everything as a loss 
everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. The only effort that Paul is putting in is to not put trust in his own efforts and trusting in Christ. He wants to know him. Can you relate? And then Matthew chapter seven, I want to read this. The words of Jesus that are stinging, that hurt, that can be scary, but they they should help us not hurt us. They should warn us, not cause us to spiral out into fear. They should open our eyes to what matters most and help us. This is why Jesus says this. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and listen to this and do many mighty works in your name. Doesn't sound like unbelievers. It sounds like people who would be in the church, right? But look what it is they're relying on when they stand before Jesus. They're relying on all the great things that they did. We cast out demons in your name. We did all the stuff in your name and in your name, we did many mighty works. Jesus says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. There's that word again, no. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So Jesus is about to die. He knows he wants to leave his disciples with very important words. Words that are of utmost importance. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, No one comes to the Father except through me. Very important words. Words that the soul and the heart of every single person on the planet must come to terms with. What road are you on? Is your destination to be with Jesus? You want to be where he is? You look down at your feet, you can see that you're not trusting in anything else but in Jesus alone. You know he is the way, the truth, and the life. And man, you fall in the ditches all the time. That's because of the weakness of your flesh. But you're determined that I'm going to stay on the road, that only road that leads to true peace, true happiness, true joy, that leads to heaven, that leads to God. And that's in Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. And I know God and he knows my heart. And even when I don't have all the answers, like he said to the disciples from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. When he looks at me, I know that he knows me. I know him and we have a a relationship together and he's so kind to me every single day. And I walk with him and I talk with him and I lean on him and I'm so dependent. I need him. And when he looks at your heart, he knows who you are and he knows that you belong to him. Do you have this peace? You see why Real peace comes from knowing the way because when we don't have these promises and this assurance, life becomes an existential, nihilistic, purposeless effort on planet earth to try to meet, eager out and work out some type of temporary pleasure before I meet a scary end. The world needs this message of Jesus Christ. 
the church needs to be reminded of it all the time. So if there's someone here who says, man, I, I, I am not on this way. The good news is it's not hard to get on. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you call out to him and you ask him to save you, to forgive your sins, and you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and you go his way. You will be given eternal life. I tend to believe that as I'm talking to you, I make an assumption that we all are on that road. The scripture says that godliness with contentment is great gain. The scripture also tells us to train ourselves in godliness, even more so than physical exercise, because godliness has value in every way, not only for the life to come, but in this life now. You can look out at your brothers and sisters and you can see lives that are benefiting right now from a life that is growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. It affects your marriage. It affects your work. It affects your own peace and your own heart at night. This gospel message that you choose to follow isn't something you just got to wait on in eternity for it to benefit you. It will impact and change your life now. And that's what God is wanting to do. Bring dead things to life. And that's why people pay attention and the world pays attention when they see someone get up and said, I was, but now I'm, and it's all because of Jesus. And every effort I tried to get to where I am here failed. But when I met Jesus and I heard, and I believed he changed me. This is the good news. Church, let us commit our hearts and minds to faith in Jesus alone by grace alone and reject every other way. And then give this message to a lost and dying world. Let's pray. Father, you know my heart. You know my struggles. You know where I fall off into the ditch all the time. You know all of our hearts. God, would you be overwhelmingly kind to us like you are with your disciples here. You're the one about to face excruciating death and abandonment from everyone. And you spend the time to comfort us when we're troubled. So Father, the peace that you leave with us that comes through your word and your promises, it invade our hearts, everyone's heart and mind here. And you, you let us experience that peace that will pierce through and that will do far more to our soul and to our heart than any amount of money could do, any amount of entertainment could do, any amount of getting things our way could do. Help us to see this every single day when we wake up. And we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ.